Gracious God, we thank you for bringing us safely to this day, to this beautiful day full of sunshine and good weather. We ask that you um, be present with us now. Open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to hear your word and to explore your will for our lives. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Hey, everybody. I'm Katrina. For those who don't uh, know me, I'm a sort of bloom regular (laughs) at this time, and I'm a pastor in the Lutheran Church. Um, And uh, I'm giving the message this morning. Um, So, yeah, so we're starting out with a story. These are my great-grandparents in that photo and my grandma as a little girl. They were immigrants. My grandma was born here, but my great-grandparents were immigrants to this country from Holland back in the early 20th century. And about 20 years ago from this summer, my mom and I took a a roots trip to go back to the village that they had come from. Um, We were already going to be on a different mission trip with our church in Slovakia, and we're flying through Amsterdam, and so we're like, it's a few more days, let's go go see where Grandma and Grandpa came from. Um, And ahead of this trip, by a few months, I went to visit my great-aunt Grata. Uh, so Dirk is my great-grandpa in this photo. Uh, he, he was one of six siblings, and he came to this country shortly after World War I and then had his family and, and lived through the Depression and World War II from this side of the ocean, but the rest of his siblings were over there, and after the war, he offered to sponsor any of them who wanted to come, uh, and two of them, his sister Grata and his brother Anton, took him up on it, so then they came and raised their families here as well. Uh, um, and Grata, at this point, 20 years ago, was the only one of them that was still alive. So she was my source of family knowledge and, and a wealth of history and told me all kinds of stories about what it was like to live through the war and, and things like that and, and gives me all kinds of knowledge about, like, Dutch naming traditions and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and uh, anyways, and then she goes, well, you know, you know, half the family still lives in Holland and your, cousin, your grandma's cousin, Luca, still lives in the village. And um, he doesn't really speak English, but... Uh, you know German, right? You guys will get along fine. Like, here's his address and his phone number. You should write to him and tell him you're coming. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that sounds, like, on the one hand, awesome, right? Like, firsthand, kind of getting to know these relatives that we've never met. But on the other hand, totally terrifying. Uh, I'm an introvert to begin with and don't like to impose myself on other people. And so the thought of, like, just the thought of, hi, I'm the granddaughter of this American cousin you've never met. <laughs> you want to hang out. That felt really terrifying and imposing in itself. And then on top of that, like I'm a perfectionist. And yeah, I know German, but I hadn't been speaking it or practicing it for a while at that point. So it was really rusty. So like trying to do this in a different language for both of us. And then if he says yes, then we're also having to use broken German to like communicate the whole time we're going to hang out, right? Like that, the whole thing just felt very intimidating and awkward. So I just kept putting it off and kept putting it off and kept putting it off until finally it's time to go on the trip. And I haven't written to Luca ahead of time. So I'm like, well, I have his phone number. Maybe we'll call when we get to Holland. Right. So, so, uh, so yeah, so we, we go on the mission trip, and that part works out beautifully. And uh, it's a really great time. And um, I see a, a really good friend of mine who, I, who I'd met a few years previously, who's a Slovak, and we hang out. And, um, and after that, then, you know, we fly to Amsterdam. The rest of our group goes on back home to Minnesota, and we rent a car, and we drive to this village in the eastern part of the Netherlands. And we get there on a Saturday just before lunchtime, and it's beautiful. It's, like, super cute. Full of, we didn't expect it to all be um, brick buildings, brick homes, and brick uh, storefronts and stuff, which the 
the grandpa who married uh, the little girl in that picture was a bricklayer. He wasn't Dutch himself, but like that just felt extra special that here this village that her parents came from was full of all this um, brick architecture. And, and people have beautiful gardens in front of their homes, and there's this vibrant uh, public market happening on Saturday in the town square. And so we had this like great time, and I don't call Luca because now, like, the thought of cold calling, and we just have, you know, all of the, the anxiety around, like, hey, we're the daughter and granddaughter of this American cousin you've never met, and now we just happen to be in your remote village, and, and that, you know, like, now that felt even more awkward, and having to do it all in real time, not having a dictionary to help me with the words, and, um, yeah, so I chicken out, I don't call Luca. The next day is Sunday, and we're Christians, and we want to go to church, so, uh, so we decide to ask at the desk of the hotel, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we ask about church. Turns out that the clerk at the hotel doesn't speak any English either, so then we're trying to figure out between my broken German and gestures and whatever. Finally, we somehow get across the fact that we're Protestants and we would like to go to church. Oh, so we pull out a map and kind of gestures and vague directions and pointing, and, and it sounds like there's a Protestant church near the Arboretum in town. So, okay, we think we have a vague idea of how to get there. <laughs> we get in our car, we start heading that way, or the way we think we're supposed to go. And on the way, we pass what is clearly a church, and its door is propped wide open. And we kind of look at each other, and we're like, I don't think this is where the clerk was trying to send us, but it's a church with an open door. Like, this has to be a good sign, right? They, like, let's stop here <laughs> instead. So we, we pulled over, and we parked the car and, and go in, and they're in the middle of the service. Everything was in Dutch, so we couldn't understand a word. Um, but, uh, but we understood the rhythm, right? Because services, to a certain extent, have a similar kind of pattern. So we stood whenever people stood, and we sat whenever people sat, and some of the hymns were familiar, so we could kind of hum along with the tune, even if we couldn't sing the words. And we, It was clear when they were saying the Apostles' Creed together and when they were saying the Lord's Prayer together, so we said that with them in English at those points and stuff. And, and um, so we get to the end of the service, and this older white-haired woman in front of us turns around and speaks to us in English. She goes, are you American or British? And we're like, oh, thank God, somebody you know, speaks English. So uh, our story just starts spilling out of us. You know, we're Americans, and we've been on this trip, and now in our you know, ancestors that came from this village, and do you happen to know our cousin Luca? You know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, she said she'd never heard of Luca, <laughs> but, uh, um, but she was willing to help us try to find him. So, but she's like, but first, why don't you come to our fellowship time? And so she leads us to a different part of the building, and there's cake, and there's coffee, and everybody's visiting, and she's introducing us to all these different people in the congregation and asking each of them, like, hey, do you happen to know this guy, Luca? And none of them knew him either, but then it comes out that my, my mom uh, is a church organist, and so then the, the organist is like, oh, let's, like, wants to go show off the pipe organ in the church, so we go back in the church, and they, they do all that, and... Um, so, so we have this lovely time, and then uh, the woman, whose name was Marlene, that's her, uh, goes, well, why don't, she invites us to her home, and that's her little dog and a little bag on, on the side of her <laughs> bike, too, it was really sweet. <laughs> so, uh, so she invites us to her home, she's like, we don't have a phone at the church, uh, so we can't call your cousin from here, but, but come to my house, and then she, she, we meet her husband, and uh, and she has us have more cake and coffee appears. We're sitting in this beautiful garden in their backyard. And then she, you know, makes the phone call. And Luca wasn't home, but she leaves a long message on his answering machine explaining everything to him in Dutch, saying where we were staying and 
how long we'd be in town and stuff. And um, anyways, and then she's like, well, since your family isn't available, like I'll, she just kept entertaining us basically for the day, like at her house. And then, uh, and then she's like, I'll show you around a little bit, and because uh, the we learned her husband had been a professor. The, this village does have a little university that's known for its agriculture program, and that's where my great grandfather had studied to learn how to be a landscaper. And she's like, we have this beautiful arboretum. Let me show that to you. And so got on her bike, put her little dog in her little bike, and pedaled off, and we followed behind. And uh, yeah, so she spent like the next two or three hours still like visiting with us. You know, we, we learned some of her stories. She had been an English teacher for many years, too. And um, yeah, and then her husband has been this professor and, uh, mm -hmm. and told us about the history of the town and, and things. And it was just really beautiful afternoon. Uh, and it turned out in that trip, we never did connect with Luca ever. And she warned us, it's holiday time, he might be away, you know, or he might have been creeped out by the message, who knows. <laughs> like, I don't want to meet these women. But, uh, but that was actually okay. And it was maybe even more than okay, because we went to the Netherlands looking for this blood kin connection. But instead, what we found was the family of God. Um, we kind of had this beautiful experience of meeting brothers and sisters in Christ who treated us like brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think of this as a, as a Pentecost experience uh, when I think back on it. And today is the day of Pentecost in the, in the church. I know Bloom itself doesn't um, necessarily strictly adhere to liturgical calendars, but uh, the tradition I come from does, and today is, is the day known as Pentecost. And that, um, that Pentecost, so Penta is five, right? Pentatonics is a five-member group. Pentagram is a five-pointed star. Pentecost is for fi five, 50 days after um, Easter in the Christian tradition. It was originally a Jewish holiday. It's 50 days after the Passover um, called the Festival of Weeks, and it celebrates the wheat harvest. Um, so it was a time when a lot of people would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival uh, and would be in town for the holiday. And the first Pentecost uh, in the Christian tradition happened 50 days after Passover, which was also 50 days after Jesus' resurrection from the tomb. And on that Pentecost, a very unusual thing happened. The Holy Spirit showed up in a really new way. And uh, Acts 2 talks about this. Uh, in the Bible, so I'll just... says, When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. They were, uh, there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard, one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't, for the life of them, figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked, they're just drunk on cheap wine. 
That's when Peter stood up and, backed by the other eleven, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red, before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. So that's how the Bible records, uh, in the message, anyways, uh, what that was like on that very first day of Pentecost. So like, you know, this rush of wind, this tongues of fire, um, the different translation talks about tongues of flame appearing, seeming to appear above people's heads, and then this miraculous ability to be able to speak other languages, and, and it's like 15 different languages that get mentioned here, um, uh, all proclaiming, telling people about God and what God has done, God's mighty deeds. Uh, um, and we celebrate this in, in uh, the Lutheran tradition. It's, it, we talk about it as being the birth of the church. That's why I'm wearing red today. On, on churchy holidays, we wear red. <laughs> this is my only red t-shirt uh, since I have red hair. But uh, um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, we talk about it as, because Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, before Jesus dies, he talks about um, sending the Spirit, Holy Spirit, to the people uh, to be an advocate and a comforter and a, and a guide and accompanier, kind of, to, to accompany people. Uh, and here in Pentecost, this is it, right? The Spirit is showing up big time in a very unique way um, and stirs up faith in these people. Like, the, if we keep reading in Acts, it gives the crowd's response to this message, and, and thousands of people are like, I'm on, I'm, sign me up, I'm on board with this, you know? And um, I think there's a small danger when we talk about it that way, that we might think that the Holy Spirit wasn't present prior to this, and I don't think that's true. Like, in the Bible... Spirit is, is throughout, and even all the way from the beginning in creation, talks about the Spirit hovering and brooding and swirling over the water. So I don't, I don't want us to go make that mistake, but I think definitely the Spirit does show up in a new, in a new and uh, unique way here and, and going forward. Um, um, we also talk about Pentecost. Sometimes people talk about it as a healing of the, of the Tower of Babel situation. So back in Genesis, again in, in chapter 11, the presumption is that everybody spoke the same language, originally, and the Bible explains why we have different languages by, by saying that people were conspiring to greatness and wanting to build this huge taller that would reach all the way to the heavens, and God was like, oh no, we can't have this. They're, like, they're going to get in trouble if we let this keep happening. So then, allegedly, uh, confuses the language, creates, um, you know, that everybody starts speaking. They can't communicate with each other, so they can no longer coordinate to, to, uh, to create this tower. Um, and so some people talk about, like, God sending the Spirit then, and now we're being able to communicate with each other, this, this gift of language is a way of healing those divisions that, that happened. Like, whether you want to think that God made different language or us, but it's still a, a healing of, of those kind of barriers between us. And that's part of, so, so back to, wow, does this connect to that story you told at the beginning, Katrina, right? Uh, I think of this as a Pentecost experience on that trip, because, I mean, there was the one, like, kind of literal way of being surrounded by a language we didn't understand and being suddenly addressed in a language that we did, which was itself felt kind of miraculous. Um, but just as powerfully, uh, to be extended so much grace, 
completely unmerited uh, and completely unexpected. Like, I, looking back at some of the photos, I didn't, I had a mullet at the time, I wasn't going to put that up for everybody to be able to laugh at, but, but I also was like, I was, I mean, they were all, their culture around church, this church anyways, was to dress well for Sunday morning, and like, I show up in t-shirt and jeans, so I look pretty scruffy, and, and this, you know, this American who doesn't speak the language, and walk in in the middle after worship's already started, and um, we were kind of needy, like, hey, do you know our cousin, can you help us find him, you know, like, all, this, all these reasons, uh, but Marlene just welcomed us so graciously and welcomed us as if we were her own family. Uh, you know, like, hey, here, meet all these friends of mine from the church, and hey, come look at our organ. You know, you're an organist, you might find this interesting. Here, have some refreshments. Come to my home. Here, have more refreshments. You know, like, she just, grace after grace after grace, let me show you around. Your family's not available. I'll take you to the Arboretum and tell you about the history of the town, you know? And she wasn't, you know, in, in Acts, Peter gets up and starts preaching Christ with his mouth. She didn't, like, preach Christ to us that way, but she certainly preached Christ in her embodiment of that kind of welcoming grace and embracing grace. Um, and I believe that was spirit-driven. I think, you know, left to our, like, the truth of Babel is, like, left to our own devices, we, uh, we get afraid. Like, I was afraid to even reach out to somebody that was supposed to be related to, right? We, we get turned in on ourselves or standoffish with each other and with strangers, um, but the spirit is who empowers us to be bold and to be courageous to open us up to the other. Um, so I think that that is really in the way that it, it feels like it was a Pentecost moment. And it reminds me that Pentecost is not just this thing that happened once thousands of years ago, uh, but it's something that's happening. It's not even something that just happens like once a year in the church, right? I mean, we celebrate it. We remember it and celebrate it this one, one day a year. But it's really, the spirit is loose in the world. That's part of the point of the Pentecost story and thinking of it as the birth of the church is that this is, the spirit is, is running wild and is, up to this work all the time, 365 days of the year, uh, breaking down the barriers that exist between us and flinging open all the doors, welcoming us into the family with this radical embracing grace and healing the divisions that exist between us and reconciling us even in the midst of difference. Um, so in light of that, let me ask you, there's the normal questions about takeaway or how does it relate to everyday life um, but also where and when have you come across unexpectedly open doors in your own experience did you notice them did you stop for them where is the holy spirit maybe nudging you either in your own personal life or here collectively as bloom uh, to open the door and have you had any kind of pentecost type experiences in your own life so with that i'll turn it over to you all for discussion Oh, yep, stop.